Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a special local guest, which is not typical for us. His name is Eric Bertzlaff, and Eric is the principal and lead engineer at Raptor Civil Engineering, LLC. Eric founded Raptor in 2020 with a vision for a different type of civil engineering firm built on the pillars of communication and experience. And I want to get into the communication part because that, I think, separates you guys from the rest of the crowd. Uh, But Eric has worked in in the greater Denver area for 10 years and has overseen 200 plus projects along the front range. Eric always has a passion for customer service and takes deep pride in his work. Well, Eric, welcome to the show. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much. That was a great intro. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's like somebody else wrote it, right? Yeah, it's almost like uh, yeah, it's almost <laughs> like uh, it's it's kind of how we view ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we get into it, I always like to ask everybody who comes on, tell me a little bit more about your entrepreneurial background. And what I mean by that is, did you grow up in a family of Everybody has their own business. Did nobody have their own business? Where does your drive come from for starting your own business? Yeah, it's been a it's been a long time dream of mine. I think uh, on every every interview that I did coming out of school, I said ultimately my end goal was to be a principal of a civil engineering firm. So that that was always a goal of mine. And I think growing up, my my dad was an upper management, so I got to see kind of that side of things, but not necessarily an entrepreneur. As as we got older, he did decide to open his own firm. So that was. Kind of opening, and definitely. And drew, was he a civil engineer too? Then? No, no, he was not. He uh, he actually owned an IT business. Okay. Uh, recently sold that. Um, and I'll say after my first job, actually, it's a really interesting story about how I kind of got. Yeah, the, unpack the real, it the for us. Shove to go into this side of things. So, I went and worked. Uh, Two thousand eight recession hit. Coming out of school, I uh, got laid off from my after three rounds of layoffs. Got laid off after my first job after about a year and a half or so. Dude, same thing. When yeah. did you graduate? Then? Graduated in two thousand seven. Seven. Yeah. Okay, I was oh eight, yeah. and I felt like I landed the last internship in Colorado. And that same thing, laid off. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened next? Yeah. So then, so what was what was happening during my time at this civil engineering firm is I was this was during the throes of the online poker boom. And I played professionally online poker and pivoted that for the next three years of my life until the US government in 2011, kind of what we call Black Friday, but basically took down two of the biggest sites and froze all the funds. That's what you were doing for three years? Three and a half years, yeah. And made a fortune, yeah. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, so, and actually in that, not only was I playing poker, I also built a coaching business on the side of that. So working for myself kind of- What kind of coaching? Poker coaching. So it was, so yeah, I was charging, $120 $120 an hour to candidates from six continents. Why the hell the are world. you back in civil engineering? Well, maybe uh, you'll get there. That, that world, that world changed. That <laughs> because, world of changed. Black, because of this Black yeah, Friday yeah, yeah. thing. Changed very abruptly in 2011. If you do research on it there, it, it kind of brought the whole U.S. poker world crashing to its knees. And I, and I don't think I ever viewed online poker as a permanent solution, mm-hmm. but it was very lucrative for a 26-year-old at the time to be That's doing that. So basically from that world, I had a lot of, I guess I'll say, or built up a lot of like privilege to kind of take whatever path I wanted to, to become that, you know, to, to ultimately own my own firm, which was my goal. I so, see what you mean. Because, so, because of the finance, finance, it was, yeah, you and, were set up for exactly. being a little bit pickier mm-hmm. and, and was able to not be as pushy, to be patient, to, to really not jump jobs, learn things. And it, it really benefited me in the way, um, kind of stepping into that. And then also just from an accountability standpoint of just 
when you're it's it's a very strange way to be an entrepreneur i'd say like not what people would typically think but there was aspects to that where there's the ups and downs of business ownership there's being keeping a level head making the right decision continuing to trust yourself as you continue through it that those were those were all things that i took from that portion of my life into this next portion of my life so um and then basically from that point decided to open raptor civil engineering during the heart of the pandemic decided to step away from Dude, my job it's just like, i mean that's just about as good as a time as it is possible mm -hmm. like we did with the height in the heart of the great recession exactly. it's like oh man that's a perfect time <laughs> well and it was actually like and, I, and i'll say like i had my eye out for that kind of other time as well um and there was no real like it just it felt like everybody it felt like a little mini recession it felt like everybody yeah. kind of shelved their project from april till june july august and then everybody took those projects and move forward with them in, in August, uh, August, September, and, mm -hmm. and through the rest of 2020. And I think that that really allowed us to, to, to kind of hit the ground running with Raptor, which has been, it's been a lot of fun thus far. So w w one more question, if we peel back again, yeah, sure. kind of go back in time again. You were going to interviews telling people, I want to be a principal. Mm -hmm. what, uh, two questions. So one is, what was the reaction to that? And then where, where did the drive come to be to want to, own your own business or, or at least be a principal slash partner in the business. I mean, was it, did you, for me, it was always, I grew up poor. Uh, my mom hates when I say that, but it's the truth. Like in my world, it was poor. Yeah. And I, I never, it's like my favorite, one of the favorite things that Kanye West has ever said, love him or hate him is uh, uh, having money isn't everything, but not having it is mm -hmm. right. And, and so like, cause once you, once you have enough and you're not worried about it anymore, I mean, that's just like your, your mind goes all different kinds of places and opportunities. So where did that drive? I, I'd say, I'd say quite frankly that it was, I, I, I feel like I was able to diagnose so many problems in this industry. And even I'll say my very first job process or just in general, I'd say in general, there's, there's flaws to this whole world that we live in yeah. that, that I, and, and I don't have the answers for all of them yet, but there's certainly, it is not a, it is not a fluid from start to finish. And that's, that's driven by a number of different jurisdictions that we work in a number mm -hmm. of different projects types, a number of different individuals and developers or public entities that work for us. But there, the streamlined version of this process, I feel like is still, in beta testing, I guess it's yeah. like there is not a. I don't think anybody's got it figured out, and if somebody does, that's got to be the best. We were just we were just that. talking about that upstairs. We were we were thinking, okay, what in a perfect world, what would have to happen for a firm like Raptor F nine, um, maybe RJA, all of the engi different engineers that we worked with to pull together a project of this kind of scope, right? Mm -hmm. Where where all of those things are needed for us to get everything done in two months, submit to the city, the city reviews it. We have a permit in four months, and and the conclusion was, well, Jesus would have to come down and part the seas yes. again. <laughs> four four months on a, any commercial project would be, and that's what I tell clients. I mean, you've had the clients, I assume, who have told you, like, well, that's we where it came we, from. We want to be done in six months, and and I will say, we have been able to streamline some of these processes, yeah. and and it's very jurisdictionally based. But I'll say in Denver, Colorado specifically, we have been able to get in and out of the SDP process. We were found. I founded the company nine months ago. We're already out of the SDP process on two projects. That's that amazing. Then, which is a feat in itself. If you know the Denver process, going through the entirety of that process to get approval within nine months. Most people say twelve. I do think it's doable. But I think ultimately, the and, and you've seen it as well. Developers, consultants, people get busy, and even the the developer themselves sometimes lose 
balls. 100% track. And then you can always, I always, I always tell developers at the beginning of the project, I don't know. I was, I was like, there's one certainty in your project and it's that something uncertain is going to happen in mm. your project through this process. We don't know what it is yet. We forecast it for everything, but really trying to use that expertise when I, when we talk about communication and expertise, the expertise being we are prepared for everything in this project. And if there is a surprise, we're even, we're even prepared for that. Just it might create a, a scheduling hiccup, but yeah, it's certainly, I'll say some jurisdictions, we're doing a project in town of Empire right now that that's a jurisdiction where they're like very much live and let live. They're like, well, do you, do you have 13 questions? It's yet? in the mountains. Yeah, in the mountains. You yeah. have to answer 13 questions. And they're like, is your building over two stories? Is your building this? Is that? And if you answer yes to all of them, the board, the board approves it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, they there's not a rigorous uh, review process in that. And so that's kind of the, the, the bureaucracy of, of the review process is, as you know, painful a lot of times yeah, and, and, and experienced developers understand that and realize that you have to bake in that but like also you have to bake in these entities that we're working with are breath- living breathing entities as well they take they have staffing issues they have yeah uh, they have morale issues during the pandemic and you see that where i'll use city of denver again as an example you see suddenly their four-week review times turned into eight weeks mm-hmm. through the pandemic and that was through that and that's something that at the beginning of a project if we said you know, you and I are going into the project. We're going to finish it in four months based off current conditions. Well, those can, those can change, which is, uh, I guess why we are, you know, still so, so secure in our job is that we are, we have a constant finger on the pulse of these entities that we work with. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, one of the things I wanted to compliment you guys on air was basically the end, which led to, you know, from the introduction here was your guys' communication. I, you guys are a breath of fresh air when it comes to civil engineering firms with your level of communication where meaning like I get, I can, I can either text Eric or uh, email one of his staff members. And if it's not the same day, it's for sure within 24 hours, vastly different from all the other civil engineering firms that we've worked with in the past. And basically you guys are our go-to people now because of that. Where did that come from? Did it, was it seeing piss poor versions of that and other from other firms or oh, oh sure i mean i'll say the biggest complaint that i hear and before jumping into raptor you would you would i would you know go out to beers with clients and ask like what what are you seeing what's what frustrates you and the, the two biggest things i got answers for is everybody's too busy and doesn't respond to me and we get a ton of ad services we weren't banking on at the beginning and those are the two things that as raptor we kind of opened up and we said okay let's target those two pretty mm-hmm. straightforward things from the get-go uh, and so the communication side of things, I really, I, and I had a client that called me the other day and he couldn't get in touch with, he has three projects, two of them in Texas actually, um, and, and one in Inglewood, but he, he two, the two in Texas, I'm not working on. And mm-hmm. he called me and he said, Eric, I just, I'm so happy you answered the phone. He's like, I just need to ask a question to somebody. And there is such value in answering your yep. phone. And he, in that conversation, he asked me if. I wanted to get licensed in Texas and do these projects for him. And I was like, maybe, maybe we'll do that. But it was, it it was, it was that type of conversation that, that I've had a number of different times where if you answer the phone and, and and trying to instill that in a company has been challenging, I'll say. And I think as we grow, it will continue to be even more challenging. I think it's easy when there's three of us right now that I, and they're all sitting at the same desk. And I say, we respond to, we respond to emails within an hour. We respond to phone calls within an hour. If you can't do that, then 24 hours. I think other 
companies have this standard of 24 hours is the industry standard. Well, 24 hours in this world is quite frankly not good enough. And then alternate levels of communication as well, calling, texting. And I say, you know, if you're on a phone call, and, I, and I'll say this to my staff when training, if you're on a phone call and a client calls you, whip out your phone, text them and say, hey, on a call, call you back. Yep, call you right back. And that is, even silly things like that go so far as far as communication go and make a client feel comfortable with you. And that's, and that's another pillar where like, People forget this business because we're architects, we're, we're engineers. This is a customer service business. This 100%. is this is a business where if the customer's unhappy, our lives become very difficult. The the most difficult part of our jobs, if we just did architecture and engineering all day, man, that would be pretty easy. But the customer service aspect and and navigating the 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 review processes and the entitlements, those are the really challenging. Yep, and I would say you're right. Number one, customer service. Mm-hmm. Number two, navigating all the bureaucracy, doing our job is as far as difficulty goes like well that's our bread and butter like yeah. that should be expected that should be the easiest part when i say as a civil engineer even more so than an architect because at least an architect you know you're like well i really don't i mean he was difficult but i love the way he designs right nobody in the history of hiring a civil engineer has ever said well he's he he was he was great but the detention pond is a little bit misshapen and about six inches too deep for my <laughs> liking right like eric starts drooling when we when when we're in meetings <laughs> and like we get to the 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 cool looking architecture stuff he's like i, I don't care yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, to be fair, I do care about it, but it doesn't it doesn't move. I mean, I, what I'll say is like I have been on projects that are absolutely hideous and I have been on projects that are yeah. absolutely beautiful. And from the civil side, they felt the same during the project. But once they're up and they have fish scales, you're like, what happened here? What is this? Yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's yeah, that's that was kind of at least. And that, that was like I said, that's one of the pillars that trying to keep as we grow the soul of the company in place. That's really something that I grapple with. That's one of those things that keeps me up at night. You asked me beforehand, like what those are the things that keep me up at night is like, as we grow to a 10 person firm, as we grow to a 20 person firm, how do we keep those? How do we keep the soul of the company and that feeling for all of our clients that they can call somebody, they pick up the phone, they're knowledgeable. I mean, even the number of times in the last two weeks, I've been asked to hop on a call in the next hour and was able to do that for them. It's invaluable. You land the project right there before you even wrote a proposal. Yeah, I'd agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. Maybe we, this is a, so talk about your growth. So you went, it was just you that started all by yourself. Yeah. And then you, how many did you people, how many people did you hire? How many people have you hired? What is your long-term, maybe three, five, 10 year goal? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I three, five, 10 year goal. I don't know. I, I don't want to force something. And I think too many business owners do. And, and that could be a naive thing to say. I'm new to this within a year of being a business owner, but my, my goal is to kind of let this organically, let the personnel that we hire and bring in kind of guide the path that we take where I know that we want to scale, but I don't know if we're going to get to 10 and say, this feels great. Right. Or if we're going to get to 20 and say, this feels great, or we're going to have a great option to acquire a planning business or a great option to acquire a land surveying business. And Oh man, then suddenly we're bigger. It's kind of, I don't want to, I, I try not to get too far ahead of my skis in that front of trying to, you know, at least take what's given to me now and move forward with a vision of continuing to step forward. So Right. And I think what I'll say is I did start off as just me. I think when I started off as just me, I greatly underestimated the demand for what we were offering because. Oh, I think the, you did, too. The phone rang and it rang and it rang. And I was I was blown away that that first month once I stepped away, that people were looking for something different. Yes. Uh, and so that was that was such a and that that really I, I say like. I was, I was talking to my father about this. I was like the baked in floor of where I was, I didn't realize was there where like, I think three to four employees was where I needed to be from 
the yeah. deal. Obviously, scaling with it is well, a lot how less you, expensive. Right. How, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honestly, how, I, I think, to be fair to you, like you didn't, you, you're you swimming in it all day long, but I, I could have told you that. Yeah. You know, from an outside perspective of like, I'm telling you, there is a huge opportunity for somebody who's young, energetic, and I emphasize energetic on a, on a phone call or a Zoom call and not just going to bore us to death with, yep. with civil engineering or engineering talk and responds like you guys do with, with and then also reassures with expertise and just has all their ducks in a row. Yeah. Huge, huge. And, and I think that they, and I, I think that at this point I could easily, I, I, I'd <clears> say <throat> short-term vision into next year, I could see us being 10 people. Wow. Um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be crazy to me. We just put an, actually right before I hopped in the car, sent an offer for our fourth employee. Uh, or third employee, fourth uh, member of our team. Um, and that feels like that'll be a nice stopgap for the time being. So, um, but we'll see. I mean, like I said, the, the work keeps kind of rolling in, and word spreads quickly around town uh, as far as we're getting calls from people, um, both from our website and from client recommendations, which has been, uh, has been. You guys are great. off to a killer start. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, your thanks. start is something to, to envy because our start was much slower than yours. I mean, for us to get to multiply past me and Alex, it took uh, three years, three or four years to get to that part. And now we're up to um, 12 architects or 13 architects, give or take, and then uh, three construction folks or whatever. But what, what is how has the hiring process been for you? I mean, what are you seeing out there? Are you seeing giant ratios of like 100 people looking for one job? How's, how's that kind of panning out? Yeah, I mean, it's been difficult, I'll say. Uh, hiring has been a challenge each time, and we've hired about every two months for the last six months. And I'll say each one of those hiring experiences was different. Um, we've tried a lot of things to find people. And I'd say the biggest gap that I've found in the hiring process is when you're using one of the mainstream sites, the LinkedIn, the Indeeds, mm -hmm. the ZipRecruiters, they lump civil engineers all into one bucket. Um, and so you get a lot of structural engineers referred to you. you, get a lot of environmental engineers referred to you, you get a lot of geotechnical engineers referred to you, you get a lot of bridge engineers referred to you. But the land development subsection of that is very difficult to fill and very difficult to kind of pigeon pigeonhole your search into. And so I'd say that's been probably the biggest challenge that, that we've found is actually finding candidates that have experience in what we do, not even just in Denver, but just anywhere is like working for one of these land development firms. It's a market right now that is, it's very boom for an employee is, is what I've seen is like, they are, they, there are, if you go search indeed right now, you will see every one of our competitors with the same job listed right next mm. to each other. And that's something that as, as I've kind of stared at that i'm like there's got to be a better way to do this so we're, we're yeah. trying to get a little bit creative um and I'll, I'll give you an example is i had a buddy of mine who does tiktok uh tiktok like editing and so i actually reached out to him and i said hey can we shoot a hiring video like just Amazing. to put on social media yeah and he was like yeah why not and so anyways that hopefully is coming out in the next like i don't know week or so cool but something that's at least like and i he, he said to me in this in this like video shoot he goes i've never heard of anybody even try to do this before what can it hurt uh, and that's where that's where i'm just like as i'm racking my brain i'm like what do what do engineers want because i think we offer a very appealing package for young engineers or, or even seasoned engineers who want to join a startup it's not every day you get the opportunity to work for a company on the growth curve yes. you're on and you can be number three or number four is that's worth a, and I'll say like my previous firm that I worked for I had the opportunity to join that growth curve and I and I at least had the opportunity to take to be patient from playing poker professionally for so many years that I, I was able to kind of ride the curve and take that experience and take what was given to me uh and I'm immensely grateful for that and and it it's 
being able to find candidates who buy into that because people want to like, we're not offering less money, but for example, I had a, a candidate who walked <clears> over <throat> a 401k. I'm like, well, we're just not there yet. We're nine months old. It's like, we'll get to the 401k here in about, <laughs> I don't know, yeah. this year we're committed to it. But that's a perfect example of like a benefit that, you know, that, that candidates can't get past. Well, I want a 4% company match, not I can, the upside here is so much higher than this 4% company match will right. ever be. And it's going to be in place in the near future. So it's one that trying to find the total package civil engineer, which is another thing we try to do is focus much more on personality fit and expertise and making sure that there can be client. How, how are you testing personalities? I mean, is it, it's, is it through the interview process? Or yeah. Are you having other, maybe those first employees interview with you or tests? Yeah, yeah no, I, it's so it is through the interview process and I've had the privilege of doing most of the hiring with my previous firm. So I've had a lot nice. of experience in that. So I know how to kind of navigate the conversation and I actually was listening to one of your pods where you talked about softening or maybe it was Alex talking about softening the blow at the beginning of the interview to get nerves. Down. Yes. And that's, that's kind of exactly what, I go in for, and then you can see, and I'll give an example because I sat through six interviews yesterday. So I'll just be like, holy cow, it's did, so much work, isn't it? Six hours of, and, and I showed that to, to my first hire and she sat in on all the interviews. And I was like, look at how much work this is. Like this is the, like, just so you understand what's going on behind the scenes, like the value of a civil engineering candidate or really a candidate in general yes. is very high. And I think a lot of candidates don't really understand that they do have like having a seat at the table has a ton of value as well. So I don't know if I'm giving advice to people who are interviewing, it's like, well, just realize that there was a lot of resources and a lot of sweat to get you even at the table. Yes. Uh, and so like use that to your lever. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll shoot myself in the foot here by doing that, but uh, <laughs> I'll get, I'll get, I'll get hard lined at the next, uh, negotiations, but yeah. that is, um, yeah, but I, but honestly, to be fair, like the opposite could be said too, is like, it took a lot on our side to get, to get you here, mm -hmm. the combing process, all of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh no. I mean, it's all, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of aspects. So, I mean, we saw a wide range of candidates and I saw, I called it, we had six interviews. I said, there'll be one no show and there'll be one guy who's late. And then we'll love one of them and we'll, we'll, we'll be lukewarm and all the rest. And that's exactly how <laughs> it is the very first interview. The person, no call, no showed. And Ugh. I was like, yep, that's, we're off to the interview process. Yeah. So then the next interview, I can't get in touch with the guy and he's, he's in Texas or he, yeah, he's in, I think he was in, no, I'm sorry, in Tennessee. So he's in a different time zone, made sure to coordinate that time zone with exactly. I'm like, what, what time, yep. your time zone do you want? Set up the interview. Well, no, no call, no show for 30 minutes. Suddenly my phone rings and we're, we gave up. We emptied out the conference room, come back. And so he finally calls. Says, oh my gosh, I had the wrong time. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. Like I'll, even I, though you tried. Yeah. So then, <laughs> so then he most certainly rushed home, put on a suit and then, and then did the interview. But we only had 20 minutes because our next interview was coming up right after. So he had a really abbreviated interview process. So I'll say like the interview process is, is, is difficult and finding somebody who really fits your needs, especially in like a small upstart firm where you're going to be sitting with this person and talking to that person daily. If we were a 50, hundred person firm, sure. They can talk to whoever, right? Yeah. But in this particular instance, that's not really an opportunity that we have. Is there a curveball? Well, I don't know. Again, I mean, we, you would listen to the podcast, so you know that we just, we kind of tell all sort of thing, but like, uh, do you have an example of a question that helps pull that personality out for people? Um, not just besides your favorite color or something like that. There's, so I, I like to be very interactive with them and I find that that's the way. So when they're answering questions, I like to kind of like steer them or talk or kind of like have a conversation versus a question and answer. Mm -hmm. And if they're, I found that if they're able to kind of have that conversation back and forth first, it, it eases 
It eases yep. concerns. It eases their nerves a bit too, that they're just talking to somebody, not sitting there. Cause I mean, I don't know, you get asked a question and you're like, um, uh, and you get halfway through it and you're like, what was the question? Again? And you like totally get, you <laughs> yeah. totally get swamped. Right. Um, so that's, that's been my crutch, I think during this to highlight. And I, if we have, I have hired over the years, some, some of the I, other civil engineering firms and my previous civil engineering firm are so lucky to have these candidates. These candidates are some of these candidates that we have had the privilege to work with and interview and hire are just lights out uh, and are some of like the up and coming civil engineers, I'd say in town. But a lot of that was uh, the way I kind of I, I parsed through that was through that kind of more conversational approach to things. Um, so I don't know that it's quite as quantifiable as like, I think asking, that's good. I think asking I think, if they're on an I think we're island, good. how they, no, no, that, that was a great answer. A hundred percent. Yeah. One of the things you talked about, um, sort of, but I'd like to, for the audience to hear a little bit more about is so nobody, just so you know, nobody knows what an architect does. Mm -hmm. Uh, even my social media managers and if they're listening right now, maybe they'll get mad at me for that. But we were, we're putting together this newsletter and they know what we do, but here's what I'm getting at is like, they they know they they still some of the language that still gets used for what we do is is convoluted and it's not precise and I like precision and one of it is is like oh this is our latest commission build like nope design right so like mm -hmm. like everything's like I, you know you went back to go, going back and talking to family even they're like what are you guys building now I'm like well we're designing stuff and then right. some things we will build but mostly we're designing stuff and they're like oh but they continue so. Along the lines of civil engineering, then, like for anybody who doesn't know what the hell a civil engineer does, what and they, but you obviously need them at certain points. Yeah. What what is your sort of thirty second here? Like, what is a civil engineering? What do you guys do? Yeah, yeah. So even your questions kind of misguided right? because there is so many different types of civil engineers, and and even our like our marketing team has trouble parsing out marketing leads from structural engineers, from geotechnical engineers. So we get phone calls for like design this window well, and I'm like, well, not what we do. So <laughs> land development, civil engineering, I kind of view that as the I, I kind of I always describe that as the talking civil engineer, the one who's capable of leading a project, of communicating with clients, who's outward facing. And so uh, we, what we are tasked with preparing our, our site design. So think of everything from the building out is what we touch. So sanitary, like utilities, sanitary water coming into the building, uh, detention water quality is a big one for us. Also, one other thing that, that really gets looked over in our industry is the entitlement process and understanding how that is. Okay, like even that works. word, what is that? What does so that, that mean? So that means taking your project from concept, going through the hoops and the rules, following the rules of whatever jurisdiction you're in to get them to sign off on your project. And so that's where you will. So, so for example, like there are jurisdictions that are insanely difficult or insane, like Arvada, for example, makes you flatten every PDF. And if you don't flatten every PDF, guess what? You don't, they'll reject. They your don't scenario. even look at it. Yeah. yeah they yep. don't even look at it. So there's, there's a rule book and all the rule books are largely the same, but, but shift yep. between jurisdictions. And so that, that's really what we do. And, and I'd say like the biggest flaws I see in the industry, and I know that kind of, the kind of pulls off of the question a little bit, but. I feel like a lot of a bad land development engineer doesn't pay attention to the rule book and doesn't get a project through. That in seems a crazy fashion, that right? they wouldn't pay attention to. The well, rule no, because it's so easy once you're once you've been doing business for several years and, and I've fallen trapped to it as well. Even when I started my firm, I was like, I'm going to go back to the original checklist that I haven't looked at in 10 years. Mm. Right. And so it's so quick to just rely on your experience. And your memory is not as good as you think it is, sure. right? It's like you you don't remember that entire checklist from start to finish. And so, you know, going back and kind of looking at those things is is I'd say makes a good land development engineer, but I'd say on a project, generally speaking, any commercial project, you're going to need 
a civil engineer. What I mean by commercial project is anything that's not a single family residence. In general, you'll need some type of civil engineering services, whether that be as simple as show, uh, you know, show the, where the water lines coming into the building, or we're doing a project together for a fire line on a group home, right? Like that seems like a pretty straightforward civil engineering scope, but that's a pretty straightforward project. That's just a tenant improvement of an existing structure. But we're now, you know, we're preparing a civil engineering drawing for this fire line that's coming into the building. That's we have some some touch on like projects like that, but like mm-hmm. the larger ground up infill development has really been where we focus, and that that's really where you need a civil engineer. And I would argue, and we we make a point of being that is being the point person for the upfront entitlement process, which I just defined for the audience here, um, being that that the person that does that because architects then call you and say, I don't, I'm so tired of doing this front end stuff for civil engineers to give me two sheets. Can you do it all? Can you coordinate it? And there's a huge value to that too. Yeah. And I've seen both, I've, I've seen firms take bo- both hats, right? Where it's a civil engineer leading the, leading the charge or architects leading the charge. Mm-hmm. I, I, I personally don't know if there's, you know, better, I think it all, it all comes down to the owner and what their preference is yeah. at a certain point. So on, on that note about owners and developers, if they're looking for a civil engineering firm, what do you think they should be looking for? Um, I, I really think like, so price is always what they go with, right? Of and course. So they always hit you with price. And I mean, there's... Even though recently we, I think you were the middle person. We were like, oh, yeah, go no. with Eric because trust me. <laughs> and, that, and, that's, and that's, exactly, that's exactly what I would say is like, there are, you get what you pay for. You mm-hmm. get, you, to do bargain bin civil engineering, you, you can charge a very cheap price, um, but you get what you pay for. So I would say looking for someone who has that experience through the entitlement process in the jurisdiction you're looking for, I think that in the jurisdiction you're looking for is key. They either understand the playbook or they have gone through the playbook a lot. Because one thing that doesn't get talked about in this is the relationships you have with the jurisdictional staff. And it matters. And it matters. And they, they remember your title blocks. Mm-hmm. So they, it's either a sinking feeling or it's an okay feeling in their stomachs. I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. Look and, at them. And I, yeah, that's exactly right. And I, 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 it's another one of my training, training in the training, like orientation that we do. I always tell whoever I'm training, I say, one thing that we don't do is we don't do repeat comments. We make sure that we respond to the comment. And yes. If you're unsure, you reach out to the reviewer and that reviewer will appreciate it. Also, we're not rude or unprofessional or, or standoffish to reviewers, no matter how rude, unprofessional or standoff they mm-hmm. are, is they they will remember you mm-hmm. and they can make, they are the lifeblood of getting your project done in that four month timeline yep. is because I've nurtured relationships through quality work for years that have allowed certain favors to be called in. And so if there is a project where either we miss something or the project, God forbid, miss something and the client's about to lose a ton of money, the mm-hmm. deal's about to go hard, whatever, we're able to at least lean on that relationship in the, in the situation to bring you know, to get the information that would have taken a month in three days. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's another critical, I think, aspect of making sure that they have the relationship and people have heard of, like when you go to jurisdictions, they've heard of you. If you have done work there, they're not doing so many projects that they're, and, and I think like people think they're robots. People think that these comments are robots, right? I don't know if you've had this happen to, but we've had it happen and I won't name the jurisdiction that does not <laughs> It's but it's a, I mean, I won't, it's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing is they refer us now. It's insane. I couldn't believe. It. I'll tell you yeah. off air who sure, it is, yeah. and I'm sure you'll be happy to hear who it is because they're one of the toughest to get through. But like, oh, they re- so what Eric is saying is correct. Like yeah. they remember you, and we get actually get referrals from them now, which it, is which is I've never <laughs> thought that was a thing. I I have gotten referrals, and the I'd say Denver is probably specific, and I won't name names because they'd get in trouble. But we have <laughs> right, we have gotten referrals, and still do get referrals through Denver 
just based off of if you have an info project under five acres, Raptor is going to. These know are what the to people. Do. Eric Eric knows exactly what you need to do. Call him and he will get you taken care of, and he will get you. And and, and they appreciate because their life gets easier when they exactly. deal with exactly. And that's consultant. exactly what I was going to say yeah. next. Is if if we didn't connect the dots for everybody listening, is like that's why because we we are we have we've established this relationship and it makes their job easier exactly right yeah, yeah. and so i mean it's a complicated process though and, and going into a new jur- jurisdiction can be scary and and i do always when we're talking through with clients saying you know say this is a new jurisdiction for us or we don't know anybody at the city you know is that okay being up front with that i think is also key too because i think there's a lot of bs out there that people will say to land a job and then it very quickly erodes away and the client's unhappy. Yeah. Being on, honest, truthful to and and just, and setting, setting the stage for success and kind of lowering expectations. I mean, you're setting yourself up for failure. The higher you set these expectations, yes. it's just not realistic. And right? I think, and I think that there's a younger engineer version of me used to just smile and nod when a client would say six months, right? Say, we're going to get through this project in six months. Right. And then my young yeah, so it's just like, yeah, of course, whatever sure, we you can say. do. It. Yeah, of yeah. course, why not? And I'm like, no, 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 back it up. That's it's a 12 month process from start to finish at a minimum. And then we'll, you know, and then that's going to require you being on it. And then it at least sets the table for them. And if you spike the football, get it done in eight months or get it done in six months, then they're like, wow, OK, that was great. But setting those expectations in a realistic place, because the, the jurisdictions, I'm sure, as you know, will say. Oh, in those concept meetings, how long does it, the developer ask, how long does it take to get the permit here? Oh, I'd say four months or so. I'm like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Do you say, do you say anything in the, yeah, I mean, yeah, I won't know. I, I am, I am very outspoken because I want to be, I'm the bear, the civil engineer just unfortunately takes the brunt of being the bearer of bad news. Is like we just break bad news to people that you can't do that thing. You, you guys do today. break, you're the first, besides like maybe an architect, uh, being the first one to kind of get the package together and do the sticker shock, I would agree with you. Yeah. As far as the process, when the, in, when you're in the process with the city, it's like, oh yeah, Eric's going to have the worst news ever. We got to have a detention spawn, pond. How much yeah. does that cost? A lot. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> and what does it do for me? Nothing. Does it, does it, or am I, uh, can I put a grill down there? No, you can't. No, nope. nope. there's not an amenity space. It's a detention pond, but that's, yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, it's, uh, it's, it's a process. Yeah. Yeah, well, God bless you for doing it. Uh, <laughs> one one last question that I like to ask everybody, um, and you kind of alluded to it about young Eric, right? So, if you could go back in time to when you very when you first started your first started your career, and if you could if you could give yourself some advice, knowing what you know now, what would it be? Um, pay attention more, ask more questions. I think at my in that first year and a half run. I wasn't engaged. I just did what I was blinders. I did the thing in front of me. And I think if you're a young civil engineer listening to this and you're not asking questions, I think that the principal takes notice of that. I think your managers take notice of that. If you are interested in the work that they are doing, they will put you under their wing and they will bring you in. And I think that's something that early on I didn't do enough of. And I wasn't comfortable doing, but they're just people too. And they're people that want to feel validated in their job and feel good and feel like they have a staff that cares. And I think that that's a way if I, if I, I guess that would be one thing I would do is go back and try to cozy up with the higher ups. And I think that would have been like more procedural firm questions or, or specific questions to a project or all of the above humanize them is what I would say. Okay. It's like having, having a human conversation, both about what they do for the job, what their day to day looks like, what their responsibilities are, but also like, what do you, what do you do for fun? What do you do? Cause the big boss at a firm is so scary. Like as a young engineer, you don't know. <laughs> and it's like, and I mean, some of them, I mean, I'm, I'm under 40. So like, I'm not, I don't think have quite that level of fear, but I have, I mean, I've run engineering departments and that 
I was definitely the feared figure in the room yep. that nobody wanted to have that real. And the one, and the engineers that did have that conversation thrived because of it, because I don't like, I'm not a big, I, I make a point of always putting down whatever I'm doing because I like to keep my eye on the most important thing you're doing is still very, very, very 100%. important to me is I'm going to put down the proposal I'm writing. I can get to it tonight. I will keep you moving and on the tracks. And I think a lot of managers miss that of keeping their staff moving on whatever dumpster fire they're dealing with today. Yeah. Yeah. Even though they got their own stuff. Yeah. yeah I, sure, I agree sure. with you. I mean, that reminds me of like college because I, I was having, I would, I would start having these personal conversations with professors exactly. who yeah. are the same sort of thing of like, Oh, they walk in the room. They're the big scary professor. Mm -hmm. They, they command all of this power in terms of grades and all of that oh, and critiques and stuff. Yeah. And Alex, my business partner at one point, I, he, he will back me up on this. He pulled me over and he was like, why are you, why are you talking to them that, like that? And I'm like, why not? Like, wh why wouldn't I get to know them in this personal way? It, 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 and then we followed through with that all the way through. So I'm with you. That was that was great advice. Uh, Eric, this has been awesome. Where can people find Follow Your Firm's work? Yeah, so we uh, you can come to our website, raptor-civil.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Raptor Civil Engineering. We're also on, I'm like, where else? LinkedIn, Raptor Civil Engineering. Give us a follow. We try to, uh, we try to, we try to focus content on helping developers become better at the process of developing and young developers, new developers specifically are who we kind of target our content at. Uh, and so if you, if you are interested in seeing that sort of stuff talking, we're on a, on a due diligence kick right now talking about front end things that need to be done that we see developers miss. Uh, you can, you can go check that out there. Um, and then also, um, I, I think that's really it actually. I think I'm, You're <laughs> I'm good like, to go, yeah. do I have another social media platform? <laughs> I don't think I do. They're very active on LinkedIn. Yeah. So give them a follow yeah. there. I don't follow them on Facebook unfortunately because I'm mostly on LinkedIn. Yeah. At this well, point the Facebook is just the same. Oh, we're on Instagram too. There Ra you go. Raptor civil. Um, and we, we, we post kind of the same content across the board. Our marketing team sets us up for that. So it's been, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's where you can find us. Awesome. Thanks for being on Eric. Yeah. Thanks so much. This was awesome. Yeah.